because I don't want God involved in what I'm doing. Too many times we want God. God, give me this. God, give me this. I'll be happy, God. Oh, I'll serve you, God. You lied through your teeth. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I'm going to take you along the lines of last week. We've been in the peas of God's garden. And uh, last week we talked about partnering with God. And I made people nervous because I was talking about finances. Well, because I made you nervous last week, I'm going to keep you in that nervous strand because I'm going to talk about finances again today. Okay? Like I said last week, the two things that Jesus talked more about in the Bible than anything was finances and hell. He virtually, I mean, hardly ever talked about heaven. Isn't that kind of interesting? He didn't talk, he talked about faith. He talked about prayer. But he talked about finances the most of any subject he talked about. Do you know why? Because he knew exactly what Satan was going to use it for to control your life and mine. That's why the scripture tells us in Matthew, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, a lot of your Bibles will translate that word mammon as money. But if you go into the original Greek... It translates more correctly into the world system. There's an old adage of money makes the world go round. Well, sadly, money makes people, Christians included, go round. So I was praying as I was working on this and saying, God, help me to understand a way that I can present this that people will grab a hold of a a new concept of money. So I titled today's message, The Prosperity of God's Provision. The Prosperity of God's Provision. Most churches have three standards of giving. They have prosperity, poverty, and just getting by. And none of them are God's plan. God's plan is stewardship. Are you with me this morning? So let me just dive quickly in this. Last week we spoke of what happens when we give. And today I want to minister from a perspective that I believe most Christians don't consider. 
Now, I know most of you have already read through your notes and you're already nervous. Okay, what's he going to do? So I want you to listen very carefully as I've chosen the words that I've written down. And today I will probably read my notes more than I generally do because I do not want to miss anything. Even though Christians know God's word advocates, also even assumes that Christians are supposed to tithe, why don't they? Pastor, you're going to talk about tithing. You bet your sweet bippy I am. I'm going to make a bold statement, and I want you to hear me. Like I said, I, I chose these words. You say, well, Pastor, how do you really feel about that? Read your notes. I'm going to make a very bold statement. The Lord expects his children to give. In, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you give, not if you give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the scripture says, each should give. Luke chapter 6 says, give and I will give back. See, God's word, you say, well, Pastor, are there more than three chapters? There's hundreds of, of scriptures in the New Testament. Christians have gotten to the place, and I, and I, you know, sadly, folks, I listen to some of these well-known preachers that tell you you don't have to give while they're raking in millions of dollars selling books that tell you otherwise. And I'm not opposed to that, folks. I really am not opposed to that. But I am opposed to people, and I could name names, and you guys would sit back and, <gasps> that preach contrary to God's word. I don't care whose name was on it. God expects. It's not an exception, but an expectance. It's not optional, but essential. Some say, well, the Old Testament they had to give. But in the New Testament, we only give if we want to. The problem is, that's not what the Scripture teaches. And you've heard me say this countless times. Matthew 23, the only thing Jesus commended the Pharisees on was their tithing. The only thing. If Jesus thought this issue of finances was so critical... Don't you think you and I need to revisit it? So scripture is clear what the problem is. And we see it in Matthew 6, 21. It's in your notes. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. We have this perspective. We have this concept of finances that I want to get into today to help Broaden our perspective. Where your treasure is. We have a tendency to get caught up in this world system. And pretty soon, what we have or don't have becomes the most important facet of our Christian experience. Can somebody say amen? amen. Seldom do we hear churches preach on tithing. Even though the Lord dealt with it virtually more than any other subject. So what I want to do this morning, this on the screen, let's try to consider the reason most Christians who don't 
tithe won't. And I put it in great big letters. It has to do with the other 90% of God's money. We don't give the 10 because of the other 90. That's the problem. God called us to be stewards of that 90%. Did you notice I put the words God's money? I don't want you to raise your hand, but a lot of us think it's ours. Well, my Bible still teaches the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. Pastor, what belongs to me? The privilege you have to become a Christian. Eternity belongs to you. No, I've got more control than that. Stop breathing for a second. Oh, yeah, the air belongs to God, so stop breathing. How long does that work for you? You see, you cannot serve God and the world system. The problem we have with the 10% is the other 90% of God's money, which he charges us to be good stewards of. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, as the video we just said of Financial Peace University, God wants us to be financially free. But he will allow us to live in a prison of our own choosing if we insist to live our way instead of his way. That's why we do financial peace. David Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, takes God's principles out of God's words and he put them in a in a, uh, uh, a palatable fashion for you and I to apply in our lives. And if we will take and apply these principles to our lives, we can live financially and debt. Free, can somebody say amen? Okay. So, God wants us to live financially free. But if we don't want to, it's our choice. We can continue with the 90% and do whatever the, the world you want to. Generally speaking, if we're doing bad with the 90%, that's why we don't trust him with the 10%. I want to... I was putting this together and I found this cute little thing and, and I thought I'd share it with you. Um, Ten top signs... To prove you're broke. American Express says, please leave home without it. You formulate a plan to rob the church food pantry. AT&T doesn't call you to switch. <laughs> you know you're broke when you rob Peter and then you wait for the right time to rob Paul. You're not really fanatical about cleaning the house, but you do clean the house when you need to find the loose change. You look at a lottery ticket as an investment. This next one I put down there and I thought, well, man, most people aren't going to remember. How many remember Oscar Meyer commercials? Well, your baloney doesn't have a first name. <laughs> that's, that's when you know you're broke. We just took communion this morning. How many tried to go back for seconds?
I had to put this one in there. So broke, you can't pay attention. Yes, I, yeah, I had to use that for Sunday morning church. How about this one? McDonald's is your source for all condiments. You, yeah. <laughs> Folks, can I tell you, I know how scary it is with runaway debt. Been there, done that. Lives deteriorate into a juggling act of delaying this payment to try to take care of that payment. And you only pay the bills the most crucial. When the telephone rings, nobody wants to answer because you don't know if it's another collector. I never did this, but I had lots of friends that did. They hid the car so the repo man couldn't find it. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Well, I want to take you into God's Word, and I want to help to get you out of there and help you never go back there. Is that okay today? Okay. First Timothy chapter 6. I've got a lot of Scripture, and I'm, trying, I'm going to try to take a, 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 be as concise as I can uh, and, uh, you know, uh, expeditious in fashion. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. Did I put it in your notes out of the message translation? Is that what it says there? Because I'm going to read it out two different translations, but I didn't have room in your notes, so I only put one in there. Let me read it to you out of the message translation. A devout life bring, does bring wealth. Would, underline that, would you please? A devout life. A life committed to Christ. That, that means not just the areas you want to be committed, but all areas. That you're not putting other stuff first. You're putting Jesus first in every area. But... It's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God that enables this. You don't make a big deal out of it. You're just living a committed life. Look what it says. Since you enter the world penniless, you'll leave penniless. And then I want you to underline these two phrases. Because as you're going to find out in the next passage, there's only two things that God said you should seek after. If you have bread on the table, clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, that's enough. Did you know that in God's word, that's all that he says that we should follow after? If you got food and clothes, he don't want you hungry, don't want you naked. Thank God for the second part. But if it's only money people are after, they will self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some even lose their footing in faith completely and live to regret it bitterly afterwards. Let me read this to you out of the New International Version. Godlessness or Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I want to read that again, and I want you to underline it. It's not in your notes. Write this down on your paper, please. It's just, it's it's 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, the NIV. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it can be sure that we'll take nothing out of it. How many have ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? I remember a man that died, and in his will, 
He wanted all of his money to be buried with him. Him and his wife didn't get along very well. His kids didn't get along very well. So, you know, they, the wife was the co-executor on the thing, and she wanted to, to meet her husband's last wishes. So she wrote a check and put it in the coffin with him. It says, if you have food and clothing, be content. What's clothing? Is it okay if I have the latest threads? I mean, I wear very nice suits. This is a Hickey Freeman. I wear very nice clothes because they wear longer and they last longer. I wear very nice shoes. I wear, you know, because... Generally speaking, the cheaper it is, the worse it wears. It lasts, doesn't last that long. So it's okay. I remember Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest uh, evangelists of all time, uh, who died, you know, probably 60 years ago. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth said, I, I, you know, I always fly first class. I always travel first class because I can't show up to do God's word in second rate condition. See, it's not wrong to have nice things or to do nice things. But God tells us, if you have food and clothing, be content. Okay, let me touch on it real quick, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to dance around that 90% issue. And if you can kind of keep that up there, if you're able to, Paul, I don't know if I have, if there is a 90% thing, that'd be wonderful. I should have said something, Bob. I didn't even think about it until just now. Please forgive me. Bob puts this whole stuff together, and I always throw a wrench in the thing, don't I? Don't, don't agree with me, Bob, please. Look what it says here. Where in food and clothing do you find cars? Where do you find houses? Where do you find fill-in-the-blank things? Remember when they asked Jesus where he lived? Now, don't get me wrong. He lived someplace. He had a house. Did he make the house the focus? Well, you know, I got lots of money. I should have a nice house. Granted, have a nice house. Well, I got lots of money. I should drive a nice Granted. Just remember, God's holding you accountable for the 90%. He doesn't have an issue. But a lot of times, we don't even trust God with the 10% because we're not doing correct with the 90. Can somebody say amen? Look what it says here. What we're supposed to be content with, food, clothing. Yet, are we satisfied with these? No. And I think I could say this. This is why most of us have so much debt. Because we're not content. Those who want to be rich, once again, God has no problem with us being rich. But those that want to be rich, that becomes their focus. They fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It is not money. It's the love of it. It's the pursuit of it. It's the desire and chasing after it that causes us to be rooted 
in all kinds of evil. This is not condemning the rich. Being rich is not a sin if the wealth does not affect your serving and living for God. But those who try for too much, too fast, will always fall into temptation. My oldest, uh, youngest daughter, uh, Jewel, and my youngest daughter, Jenny. How many? How many? Ninety thousand. How much in debt was she out of school? Ninety thousand dollars. She didn't get virtually no scholarships. She got virtually nothing. Ninety thousand dollars in student loan debt. That her death. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> 90000 that her and her husband now are paying off. This is where major stress comes into the picture. Some, look what it says, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. Before I got saved, I used to have fun with an old country blues ballad. Kind of went like this. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can go. I owe my soul to the company. Company stone. You get all of this, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Can I take you back to the scripture? Romans chapter 13 says, Oh, no man, anything but love. The statistics in America. And I went out to try to find the latest and greatest. And I averaged them out and I rounded them off. But the statistics in America, statisticians say the majority of Americans are in bondage to payments of all kinds. Most having at a minimum of $8,000 of credit card debts. That's on top of cars and mortgages. Maybe you're relating to this. And you haven't gone under yet, but you feel trapped by ballooning bills. If this describes you, I've got some awesome news. There is a way out. There is a way out. And it is not quick and it's not easy, but it will require commitment and discipline. But you can be free. Can somebody say amen? You can be debt free. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking about Financial Peace University, you need to get into this. I've got 45 minutes to talk about it. You will have nine weeks to go through it. And I tell you who the sun sets free is free. Can somebody say amen? amen. Number one in your notes quickly, the conflict when it comes to money, we got a wrong perception. We see money as the source. We see money as a source. And I want a statement. It's on the screen and it's in your notes. The problem is not a lack of money. The problem is not the amount of your income. The problem comes from a lack of the control of our desires. The Bible says you shall not covet. Can somebody say amen? amen. 
you shall not covet. See, what happens, folks, is we have a drive to have what everyone thinks they must have. Let me put it in simple words, and it's on the screen. We lack contentment. Now, I said we, and I don't have a mouse in my pocket either. We lack contentment. See, the conflict, ladies and gentlemen, is most are not satisfied to live on the level that God has supplied them. Or, let me put it simply, bless you, to live by our means. You see, God supplies one level, but we want to live on another And so we take advantage of that nice, fancy credit card that came in the mail. We take advantage of this nice loan they gave me. We take advantage of this, and all of a sudden, well, bless God, I can have this in monthly allotments. Here's the issue. The buyer, us, writes a check that our supplier, God, will not cash. God said, you've got to be content where you are. And the cure, as look at on the screen, the cure is not more money. The cure is not really even a better job. You say, well, pastor, what, if I got more money, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, and you would spend it. If you got a better job, you would just raise your level of expenditures. See, the job's not more money. It's not a better job. It's a matter of getting control of our desires. This lust that consume us, this world system that's trying to devour us. The adage is, save, then buy. Let me say it again. Save, then buy. What happens? Earn, then spend. Earn, then spend. Yet too many spend and try to earn to pay for it. Am I making any sense today? Pastor, you're stepping on my toes. It'll feel good when you're done. Money has become the most important value in American society. Vital for existence. This is why the government... I'll step into politics just for a second. This is why the government's working so hard to get everybody on the dole. Everybody committed to the government for their support. Because then the government will always have its power. And you will always need their provision. That's what socialism does. As I've shared, socialism is great. If you're out here and you happen to like socialism, it's all It's awesome. Until you run out of somebody else's money. It doesn't last very long. Somebody has to pay the piper. Are you okay out there? Money has become the most important value in American society. It's vital for very existence. The one thing almost everyone wishes they had more. And almost everyone seems to never have enough, is money. And money, statistically, causes more family problems than every other issue combined. We have a wrong perception. 
we think somehow money will buy happiness. Folks, even the Beatles knew better. They said you can't buy love. Can't buy me love. Solomon, the richest man in the world, listen to what he said in Proverbs 23, verse 5. It's in your notes, and I brought it out of the, out of the uh, amplified version. He said, will you set your eyes upon wealth when suddenly it's gone? For riches certainly will make themselves wings, and like an eagle, they'll fly towards the heaven. A modern philosopher once said, money talks, I can't deny. I heard it once. It said goodbye. The conflict when it comes to money is we get a wrong perception. We think it's a source. Number two, and you notes quickly, the cause of the conflict with money. We see the conflict. Now we're going to look at the cause. And the cause is a wrong attitude. Not only do we see it as a source, we also view it as the answer. If I just had more, I'd be happy. In your notes, if we ever hope to please God financially, we're going to have to learn to develop a right attitude towards this thing called money or the world system. I put four things down here that you have to develop. Okay? God is the source of all of our resources. The very first thing you've got to develop is an attitude of gratitude with what you have. With what you have. Underline that in your notes, folks. I put it in there for a purpose, okay? God is the source of all resources. Therefore, we have to develop an attitude of gratitude for what we have, not what we don't. We, number two, are stewards of God's property. Remember the 90%? It still belongs to God. He just gives it to us to be stewards over, and he is going to hold us account. And the Bible says, you know, the problem that you have is if you're not faithful in little, how can I trust you with much? See, this is what God's word, this is God's purpose. This is why stewardship is the issue. The prosperity gospel is not biblical. The poverty gospel is not biblical. The just get by gospel is not biblical. Stewardship gospel is biblical. We're stewards. We need to develop an attitude of faithfulness. Where? In using our money, in using the 90%. The third thing, our most important investments are not temporal, they're eternal. They're heavenly. The most important thing you can do, according to God's word, is give into his kingdom. Physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially. It's the only thing you can send ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead of you. Can you say amen? We have to develop an attitude, a vision for money's purpose. Why did you get your paycheck you just got? 
Why do you get the increase you just got? Well, bless God, because I'm doing a good job. You think God's setting you up for doing more for His glory? You see, if we don't develop that kind of vision, then we will digress to the fact of thinking it's about me. It's about us. And it's not about Him. Am I making sense this morning? Number four, quickly. We should trust God. Say that with me. Trust God. Say it again. Trust God to provide all our need. This is where faith comes in. You've got to develop an attitude of faith that God is our source. He supplies. So when it, so what it is, or excuse me, so what is it we need to do if we're to live the prosperity of God's provision? We're going to get into that next. And I'm going to spend the most of my time on part three. Because I'm going to give you a formula. And I know that sounds, that sounds kind of trite and it sounds a little, you know, God, you can formula God into this stuff. God's principles, folks, work. God's principles work. And if we would just learn it's his way and not my way, a lot of this would go away. Okay? So that's what I'm going to do. Okay? We've looked at the conflict. We've looked at the cause. Now what I do is I want to look at the cure. Money is not the source or the answer. Money is only a tour, a tool. I want you to put the, leave that on the screen for a second. Look at it for a second here. Money is not a source or an answer. It is simply a tool. It is simply a tool. If the most important thing in life was rocks, that would have said rocks are not a source or an answer. They're simply a tool. I'm wanting to help us to understand. Write this in your notes. The cure is your change. Not the jingling in your pocket. The cure is your change. The conflict, ladies and gentlemen, is critical reality that each of us face. And that's a wrong perception of money. The cause is a simple analogy. We have a wrong attitude regarding money. So how do we begin to work on, in, and through a cure that is both a physical and a spiritual perspective? We must purpose to begin to act out and on the, what God designs, supplies, and aligns to what we have. So I want to address four attitudes. And then I'm going to address some practical principles that we need to apply if we're going to have victory in our life. Okay? How do we develop a correct concept about money that we can secure its place in our life? It's in your notes, folks. And I've got a lot of scripture. I'm not going to read all the scripture. I'll read some of them. Okay? The very first thing you've got to do is you've got to develop a right work habit. Most people, when they go to work, they, it's drudgery. You can probably count on one hand how many people in this room enjoy their job. Most, well, you know, it's a, it's a means to an end. You know, it's, well, it's, it's, my, it's my paycheck. See, we've got to develop some right work 
habits. And the very first thing we got to develop, especially in this society we live in, no one is entitled to nothing. I know that's a double negative. It's not good English, but it sure is good preaching. No one is entitled to nothing. And nothing happens accidentally. There is a purpose for everything. Once again, I go back to this whole government thing. They're trying to get everybody in, in an entitlement scenario to where they pay for this and they pay for that and they pay for the other thing. Well, pretty soon you're going to be dependent on that. Why? Because they paid for it. And if I'm going to keep that lifestyle going, I've got to keep going back to my source. And if it's not God, we're in trouble. Develop work, correct work habits. You've got 14, uh, Proverbs 14 and 10 there. Okay, and it is, you know, hard, all hard work brings profit, Proverbs 14. Proverbs 10 says, lazy hands makes people poor. The second thing, develop correct ethical behavior. God knows all. He knows what you're doing with the 90%, and he knows why you're not dealing with the 10%. Because you think it's all yours. And it's all his. Man, there's a great atmosphere in here today. Just so It's like that sponge is sucking it in. Proverbs 13 says, dishonest money dwindles. Proverbs 20 says, stolen bread tastes sweet. But turns to gravel in your mouth. Proverbs 10 but he who walks uprightly walks surely. But the one that perverts his way, he will be exposed. The third thing, quickly, develop a correct dependence on God. Trust that God and God alone is your source. I, I can't Bring that home more purposefully. Trust that God and God alone is your source. Look what it says in Proverbs 11. If you trust in money, you're going down. If you trust in money, you're going down. But the godly will thrive. Proverbs 28 says, greed causes fighting, but trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Ladies and gentlemen, it's on the screen. There is no get-rich-quick scheme in God's kingdom. It's all a long-term financial plan. What is God's financial plan? Work hard with integrity, depending on God for the results, and you will prosper. That's God's work ethic. That's God's work plan. That's God's work structure. That's the habits, the behavior, and the dependence all wrapped up simply. So how do we begin this, this ride of stewardship? How do we begin to understand what stewardship's all about? Is a right attitude. And it's in this that we can learn to make money work for us. It's not the source. It's a tool that we use for God's glory, kingdom, and back to us. Can you say amen this morning? Okay. Three things. Actually, the four things. 
Use what you have to do what you need. Folks, there's nothing I can't do with what I have. Well, sure there is, Pastor. There's a lot you can't do with what you have. No, I just got to plan it out. We're, we're doing yard work at our house. And we systematically structure it out the best we possibly can. Well, Pastor, do you ever borrow? Be honest. Yeah. And it's usually paid off very quickly. Not years, but as quick as possible. So I don't want you to sit here and think that, that I don't have things that God's working through. These principles that I lay down, the same principles I live by and I place in my life, my wife and I, that we're working through things. And you get issues, folks. Okay, but listen to what it says. Use what you have to do what you need. In the United States, 90%, it's actually in the high 80s, but 90% is what I'm talking about today, are in trouble with debt. And Satan loves it. Satan loves people owning a house that they can't afford to pay for, driving a car that they can't afford to pay for, living a life that they can't afford to pay for. Satan loves it. He loves the bondage that we're held in. But can I tell you something? The 90% of us misuse the 90% that God has entrusted to us. This is why, as Dave used in our little videos, Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. That's why our scriptures tell us to owe no man anything. Folks, this is why if you're here and you're struggling in your finances, sign up for the financial peace class. Sign up. It will transform your life. Why? Because it's built on all the principles of God. Number two, really quick, plan ahead. Knowing it's better to have and not need than to need and not have. Make plans. Plan for what you're going to do. Then there's more scripture there. The third thing, know that things happen. Know that things happen. And I can say that again. My wife and I had a wonderful vacation planned, and we had to cancel it. We came back. We were supposed to be gone uh, uh, a couple weeks, two and a half weeks, and we were back in seven days because we had problems. Stuff happens, folks. We thought, you know, that we'd be able to take care of this with money that we had saved up and stuff, and, well, now you can't. you got to make other plans. So we restructured our vacation, we restructured our plans, and, and we were supposed to leave this next week, and it's not going to work. So we canceled all of it. So we're just going to hang around. Hope that's okay. I kind of like this place. Stuff happens, folks, and if you're not prepared for it, it will take advantage of you. And just because you have it doesn't mean you have 
to spend it. I have in your notes, I put a whole section in there about family. Family borrowing money and, and asking for loans and stuff like that. And Folks, can I tell you something? If anybody in this church comes up to you and asks you for a loan, talk to me. Because we don't allow that. It's wrong. I'm not going to ask you for a loan. I might ask you to give to this, that, or the other thing. We stick a $50,000 that we're paying off on this building. Our church has never been in debt. We're still getting this paid off. We don't do that. We don't take advantage of people. So if somebody does that, or if you know somebody's doing that, we need to address it because it's wrong. Amen. Letter D in your notes, ultimately, put God first. Put God first. The only way you learn to deal with the 90% is you have to trust God in the 10%. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think I've said enough today. We'll just end it right there. I know there's a lot more in your notes. You can read it because a lot of good stuff there. I may pick it up there next week. Would you all, you all be okay with that? I kind of went in part two next week. But I want you to look at me just, just for a moment. Folks, yeah, uh, worship team, if you would, please. Folks, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. We start living outside of our means, and you start having trouble. You start having trouble. I listened to Dave Ramsey, and, uh, you know, I, you know, is the guy perfect? No. But he preaches God's principles. And that's why I encourage, get involved in this. Well, Pastor, I, I got to pay for the book. You're going to spend more than that on lattes in the next month. Or whatever you buy. I don't know what you buy. Big Macs. Okay. Whatever you buy. It will, it will change your life. If you allow it to. But I want you to I want you to hear me. I listen to Dave Ramsey. And over and over and over and over, the biggest, one of the biggest things, not the biggest, but one of the biggest things is kids. 90, a hundred. The highest I've ever heard is almost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of student loan. Folks devil loves that. And then I listen to what they went to school for and Ramsey just shakes his head. You're going to get a job with that? Folks, I'm, I'm not opposed to anything. But God's word says, look before you leap. Oh, it doesn't say those exact words. But it tells us to be wise, to be sober-minded. Now, sober doesn't mean just not drunk. It means to be in control of your faculties. You need to know what's hanging out there. You need to know what's going on. You need to know what you're doing to do what you're doing. These are real simple things. 
that my wife and I apply in our lives to do things that we're doing, to deal with things that we're dealing with. They're God's principles. They're God's word. Maybe you're here. Marriage problems are huge because of financial issues. Credit problems are huge because of financial issues. Maybe you've got a mess going on in your life. And you say, well, my finances are okay now, but I, I got a mess because of them. God wants to help. God wants to heal. But you got to trust. And the first thing you got to do to deal with the 90% is you got to get right in the 10%. Well, let me put the 90 and the 10 away. The first thing you got to do to even focus on the 90 and 10 is you got to get your heart right with God. You got to live for God. You got to put Jesus first in your life. If not, this world system will eat you alive. It will. Every day I begin the day saying, God, what are you doing? I was at worship the other night uh, with, with the worship team, and they were having a prayer time. And I, I, pre- I pretty much have a good handle on what I believe God's doing and moving and, and the direction that we're going and all those different things. But that last Thursday morning I was praying, and I was out there walking around on my balcony. And I, I, I probably spent 30 minutes conversing with God saying, God, I ain't got a clue what's going on right now. God, I I see this, but I don't understand that. God, I know this, but I can't figure that. That's the conversation I have with God. See, I know what God's word says. I know God's plan. I know God's direction. But there's every once in a while, I just got to stop for a second and say, God, what are you doing that I can get involved in it? Because I don't want God involved in what I'm doing. Too many times we want God. God, give me this. God, give me this. I'll be happy, God. Oh, I'll serve you, God. You lie through your teeth. When we put those two adjectives together, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Don't work that way. Foxhole conversions don't last. If you're not old enough to remember that term, you can ask me later. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge Him. He will straighten out the road you're walking on. He will straighten out the road you're walking on. I wonder today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well, that's the very beginning. That's the very beginning. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.